You are listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is a presentation of LifeLight Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org. Okay, so, and also be present for the people who are going through the going on the trip too, um, that it's really an opportunity for them to really see uh, the ministry outside this boring, spiritually boring city, uh, and really witness, be a part of 30,000 college students who's going to be screaming and yelling, um, and praying together and singing together. So let's be praying for them as well. So let's dive into this. We're on Luke chapter 12, verse 49. We're all, we are also jumping into part of chapter 13, verse 9, last week. We, uh, we had a lot of fun talking about how God um, desires and really the design for God, for us, by God, is, is that we have a plan, we have prepared life instead of planned life. Don't plan, but prepare and be open, be giving, um, be providing for those around us and be open to what God will do in your life. So we're reaching that starting very beginning of chapter 12 and we're coming to actually to the conclusion of this section, of this teaching that Jesus does. At the end of... Um, this section, at you know, chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus encountered another incident. So this, that's completely new. So this is sort of the concluding of that section. And if you remember, the whole, the whole, this whole section has to do with judgment, because Jesus speaks frequently about judgment. Uh, but in, in larger scheme of things, it talks about faith and fear. We talked about fear a lot. So the relationship between faith and fear. So from the very early on, what we learned is don't fear men, right? Fear God, God who judges, right? Fear God instead, instead of men. And we talked about don't worry about possessions on earth. Be rich toward God. Don't fear and be anxious about your possessions on earth. And last week we talked about don't plan, be prepared. Live for the end, you know, do the work that we have to do and be prepared for the crisis. So... We're moving into the conclusion of that section. We talked about faith and fear. And uh, we're also going to learn about why Jesus came and how a lot of people, are, most people are ignorant. And, um, and what are we to do with everything that we have learned so far? What is the concluding words in this section? So that's, uh, that's chapter 12, 49 to 13 to 9. And it is a challenging, challenging text. I was pulling my head out <laughs> trying to uh, go through this. Um, and as I had a hard time, because I scream out of nowhere, I'd be reading, ah! Um, it is, it is challenging, it's really challenging, but because, and part of it is the whole section of chapter 12 is challenging, because the way that Luke has it, it's not that Jesus encounters an incident and things happen, uh, uh, sequentially, it's just a bunch of sayings of Jesus kind of put together by Luke. So there's this, there's, you know, three verses of this, and two verses of that, and four verses of that, and... It's like, what's going on? There's stuff just compiled together. But obviously there is a theme, as we talked about. There's a theme that Luke is trying to guide us and teach us, which is faith and fear and judgment. right? And I think the most um, challenging part of this text is that it's when you read through it, you're going to read and you're going to, oh, yeah, I know what this is about. It's so obvious. It's kind of obvious, but it's not clear. So you can't be certain of what it's saying but at the same time, we're so kind of used to reading it, reading the Bible. It's, oh, it's about, saying about judgment. Oh, it's saying about faith. Oh, it's saying about Jesus. Oh, it's saying about this. We can easily just kind of smooth over and really not dig deeper into the Word, dig deeper into what it's trying to say. 
or misunderstand, or use it out of context, or historical context. Just say, oh, this is what Jesus says in here. That's probably what it means. And you apply that to something that has nothing to do with it, right? So, that's the, really the challenge of it. And, and it really speaks of who we are, um, who, most of the time, we are, when it comes to, you know, scripture and Bible, we're just lazy. We're just lazy. Um, we're kind of ignorant. And uh, we just don't want to bother. We're like, oh, what does it say? I'll just ask somebody. Um, I read it once. I don't know. I don't get it. Move on. Next one. Oh, I heard this before. I'm going to move on. I know what this is about. That's just kind of how we, how we are. We're kind of lazy. We're kind of dull. We're, we're ignorant. And we don't dig deeper into it. And, you know, the, really the essence and part of culture in life flight is that we don't do that. We dig deep into the Word of God. We learn what it means by learning by practicing over and over every week through Bible study and on Sunday. So part of what I'm going to do um, is going through this with you and to show how we can come to understand. And really, the way to understand first, you, we have to understand what the text means to the person who is listening at the first time, the first audience. We have to know what's going on when Jesus was saying it. And then, only then, can we apply that to us. Because we can't just automatically apply it to us without knowing what it's saying then. So that's what we're going to do. Um, and it is, it's strange, it's confusing, because here's the movement of the topics of the text we're about to read. It talks about family division, and then it goes on to weather, and then it talks about court scene, and then it talks about tragedies and news and current events, and then it ends with a fig tree. It's like, where is this going? It's just all over the places. So it's confusing. Um, so we'll dive right into it. And let me pray. And we're going to read. We really need to pray hard so that we can understand. Uh, so let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your teaching. We thank you that um, some are challenging. And uh, some are challenging to understand. Some are challenging to apply to our lives. And I pray that your, your spirit would, will give us understanding. And uh, your spirit also make our hearts humble and soften our hearts so that we will be convicted. We'll, um, we'll seek to be conformed. We'll seek to be molded by your words. To be people who are passionate. To be people who are repentant. And to be people who are boldly living in the uh, lives of crisis. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so let's go. On your sermon note, chapter 12, verse 49. I read one verse and you read the next. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, fire in one household will be divided. Three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you, will, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? 
Thus, when you go to the before magistrate, on the way you may effort to settle the case, hire you may be dragged before the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the officer, and the officer will throw you into prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the every very last penny. At the very time there was some president who told him about the Galileans who let Pilate have mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the other living in Jerusalem? No, no I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come on for fruit on this fig tree. Still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasted in the soil? He replied, Sir, let it, uh, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. The word of the Lord. <laughs> okay, you see what we got to deal with? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. It's just kind of random, a lot of random stuff. Um, so let's dive in. Verse 49 and 50, just right off the bat. It says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and I have, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. What does that mean? Anyone? A winnowing fork? Okay, Jesus said, so Jesus said, I came to bring fire. What is fire? What does that mean? Any guesses? Purification. Purification? What else? Any other guesses? Consecration. Huh? Consecration? Consecration? Well, Same word as purification? Fire consumes its spread quickly, right? Huh? Fire consumes its spread quickly, so maybe the word of God is supposed to spread among the people like fire. Okay, word of God spreading. Okay, what else? Destruction. Destruction? Okay. Well, I'm going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, what else? Anyone else? Cleansing. Cleansing? Purification? Oh, good. Yeah, you guys are all kind of going there. Cleansing, historically, or biblically, if you look back at these words, it speaks of three different things. Judgment, like hellfire, right? Mm-hmm. Judgment, purification, Holy Spirit. So which of these is Jesus talking about? Judgment. 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 The theme is kind of judgment. And a lot, of, a lot of scholars and commentators tend to go with that. Jesus is talking about judgment. But when I look at it, Jesus said, I came to bring fire came to bring judgment on earth. Did Jesus bring judgment to earth? No. no, he didn't. And you had to wonder, then what did Jesus come to bring? Right? And I kind of tend to go with purification because of his work and also the Holy Spirit because Jesus does send Holy Spirit at the end. And so it makes kind of sense when you read he has, that he's come and he wishes that it was already kindled, which means I wish it was already here that I have already brought the purification and Holy Spirit here among these people. And then he goes on to say, he has baptism to be baptized. What does that mean? You know, this is the thing. Why can't he just say it out, you know, clearly? Like, here, this is what's happening. Right? But what does that mean? He has a baptism to be baptized? What's a baptism? (laughs) 
with the all to say simply. Okay, but more deeply, what is it? What's baptism? That's true. Come on. Some of you are baptized. Public declaration of a new life. Okay, new life, public declaration. But what else? When you go under, what happens when you go under the water? Purify of what? With the old self. Your old self is what? Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Dead of what? Sin. Sin. Good. Sin. And then when you rise again, what? And you're born again. You're new life. So, so that's what it means, right? Baptism is you die of your sin. Your sin dies. Your old self. Your sin dies. And what happens when you come up? You are born again. So in case of Jesus, when he says, I have a baptism to be baptized, that means literally, right? I'm going to die with a sin. I'm literally dying with a sin, not of my own, but of the people, of the people, human race. I'm going to die with sin, and then I will rise again. He's a resurrection. I'm going to rise again as a new creation to invite all believers to be that new creation, right? So it's literal in Jesus' case. He's going to be baptized, and he's baptized to be baptized. And he says, he's stressed out. He says, I'm stressed until this is done. Like, who wouldn't be? If you are, put your, you know, yourself in Jesus' shoes, who wouldn't be, right? You're looking at cross, you're looking at crucifixion, and you would be stressed. So, when you listen to this, um, it almost seems like Jesus is venting. Like, do you know what I gotta go through? You know, do you know what I'm here for? I'm here to bring fire. And I wish it was already kingdom. means, None of you get what I'm doing here. I'm so frustrated. None of you get I wish Holy Spirit was already here so you would understand what's going on. You would know and what I'm going through. And I'm totally stressed out, constrained because of what's about to happen, because what's not yet available, which I you know, came to bring it to you. So, Jesus... He's looking toward the cross, and he's stressed, he's frustrated, and no one's getting what he's saying. And you know, you gotta ask yourself too, us too. Do you get Jesus, and are you? Do you get baptism? And if you're baptized, have you received that properly? Have you died yourself of sin, and have you risen again as a new new uh, new creation? Jesus is venting and he's shouting. And it's almost like you, you got to imagine as you're reading the Bible, kind of draw, you know, draw a picture. How is Jesus saying? He's not just saying calmly, I have come to bring fire. I am so stressed. Right? That's, that's really not Jesus. You can tell he's, he's frustrated. He's upset. He's shouting. His face is turned red. And basically what that means, and he's not like in control, just calm. He's out of control, right? He's out of control because because Jesus is passionate about His work. He's passionate about God. He's passionate about people. That's what you should see. Jesus, passionate about God and about us, about the work He has to do. And He's frustrated because it's not... It's just people don't get Him. And when you think about that, and you look at yourselves and look at other Christians. And when I look at you guys, and what, one thing that we really need, and it's ironic that some of you are going to passion, <laughs> that we really lack passion. 
And you, when you look at Christians today, they are just way too cool. Right? They're just way too cool, way too calm, way too in control. They say, oh, I'm Christian, I'm cool. Right? You, you, if you're part of Young Lab, you're just way too cool. Right? You're always in control, you're always calm. You're never really, you're avoiding just being out of that in frustration, in chaos. And you know, maybe the part of that has to do with our false understanding of Jesus. That we think Jesus was just this person who's just way too cool, just calm, always in control. Because you know what passion means? Definition of passion? It says strong and barely controllable emotions. That's what passion is. Right? Being passionate means showing or caused by a strong feeling or belief. Maybe we just don't have a strong feeling or belief. Maybe that's why we're just too calm, too cool. We have forced to understand that Jesus was incredibly, immensely passionate person. He was passionate about God and passionate about people. So if there's anything that needs to be done here, is we all need to be passionate. And I don't mean like, put your hands up when we're singing and shout it out, say amen. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, we're going to cover that more, but what I mean is just, we can't be so careful. We can't be so holding back. We can't be so figuring out, is this a safe place to do, say these things? We need to be passionate, just like Jesus was. So, he goes on in verse 51-53 about family division. Jesus says in verse 51, Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. So Jesus is not shy. He says, I came to create division. That's what I'm here to do. I came to cause crisis. Um, and he's shouting, he's full of passion. And he says, by me, because of me, there will be division between father and son and daughter and the mother and mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. I don't know why he had to say that. You know, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, there doesn't need to be Jesus to, for them to have conflict and division. <laughs> some of you were not married. Some of you, you know by your parents. That's not an easy relationship. Right? So I don't know why Jesus mentioned that. Part of it is because in this culture, everybody lived together. Your in-laws and you all live together. Um, but Jesus, there will be division. I came to bring division. And so much we know, we think of Jesus as Prince of Peace. He says, no. I came to bring division. <coughs> and, you know, we kind of get that. Some of you get that. And some of you get that by knowing someone um, or exp- having to experience yourself. Uh, have you been divided from someone because of Jesus? Because of your belief? And many of you live in a family that, who don't believe in Jesus. Right? And, I, and I know, um, just experiencing with uh, some of the young life kids, right? and, and you know this person, that, that she, her parents are against you know, Christianity. You know, if you're Chinese, you're mostly just culturally or you know, Buddhists. Uh, you can't share the faith. And this person, when she decided to share her faith, was the night before she left for college. She told her mom and dad. So mom was crying, dad shouting, and, and she said, this is where I'm going to be. Right? She's divided because of Jesus. When I was in, uh, doing, um, uh, working at Woodleaf, we had one of the campers, and she is, um, she's a Muslim. And uh, it's funny that her mom actually prayed for her that she would not be corrupted by the faith of Christianity, right? And she said, my mom prayed for me and the whole family came and prayed for me that I won't be corrupted when I go to this camp. 
At the end of the camp, she became a believer. She says, I love Jesus. She says, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go home. My mom's going to, my family's going to disown me. And she was all crying, and there were leaders around trying to comfort her and try to encourage her. And, and she said, but I'm going to speak up, because I can't hold this back. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. But I'm going to be in crisis. My family is going to hate me, will fall away from me. Some of you know, some of you don't, but this is the truth. That Jesus speaks the truth. Jesus brings division. Jesus brings crisis. And crisis isn't so much as to, oh, there's a danger in the area, but crisis, really the, the correct meaning of crisis is this. There's an occasion where you need to choose between one or the other. And that decision is of magnitude, of importance. It's life and death decision, and you have to make a decision. That's what crisis is. Jesus, last, last week we talked about be prepared for crisis. Jesus is the bringer of this crisis. He says, I'm here to bring crisis. I'm here to bring division. Okay, he goes on to say in verse 54, 56, about the weather. <laughs> right? He says, oh, you know the weather. So he says, you know how to read weather. These people, and you know how to predict the weather. And these people do. They, they're farmers, most of them. So they look at the sky. They see where the wind is blowing. And they know, oh, this is how the weather is going to be. None of us do. Right? We don't. We just have an app that tells us what the weather is going to be. Right? It's really convenient. What's the weather? You can ask Siri or you can have an app and it will tell us. Right? So Jesus is saying, you know how this is going to work. You know how to interpret the weather. And he calls them hypocrite. What does hypocrite mean? Hypocrite means someone who's pretending to be someone they're not or who's not consistent. So you know how to read the weather. And you're hypocrites because you're unable to know what's going on right now. So here is when we bring in the historical context into the text. We have to understand, and a lot of times we'll read this and oh, we need to know the present time for us right now. And Jesus, that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about people 2,000 years later. But he's not. He's talking to people right there sitting. He's speaking to the crowd. And the fact of the matter is, what Jesus is saying is, you don't know what's going on right now. You know how to read the weather, but you have no idea what's going on. You're seeing this, you see my word, you see my miracles, you hear my messages, but you don't know that everything that you've been waiting for, your hope and your dream is happening right now. I'm here. I'm the Messiah. Everything that you waited for for 400 years is here. And you have no clue. What a hypocrite you are. You have no idea. And that's what these people are. And you know, again, once we understand that, we can bring it to our situations today. And you know, it's the same thing. Us, again, Christians, we are just lazy and ignorant. We are focused on ourselves. And we don't know what's going on. There are plenty of signs and sayings of God, the way you learn, but you are ignorant. We're all ignorant. We're only focused on ourselves. Our little own world. <laughs> I want you to meet Dusty downstairs. He's a little hamster. <laughs> <laughs> Go down and meet Dusty later. He's a little hamster. And he's so happy. I don't know if he's happy. <laughs> he, he appears happy. And, and, all he, and all he's got is this little cage. Right? 
he, you know, snuggles around in his own poop and stuff, and, you know, does this weird thing, and goes out and drink water, eat, you know, and plays with Hannah a little bit, and I, and, um, and that's it. This little own world, and that's all he's got, that's all he knows. He doesn't seem to mind, right? <laughs> little dusty, you know, little dusty. So I want you to think about, mid dusty, and think about that. Some of us are like that. Many people are like that. It's about my own little world. That's all that matters. And what I want to do, what I want to get, people I want to use, God I want to use to get what I want. That's all that matters without understanding what's going on. And what's going on is that Jesus is saying the most important here is what Israelites have been waiting is the Messiah, is God. Having relationship reconciled with God is the most important thing. And sometimes we ignore it completely. And I see this pattern. I try to meet with some of my old youth kids, like from the old church, and I meet with them. Um, you know, it's been a few years, I meet with them, I said, so how's your relationship with Jesus? They say, um, I don't know, I, it's good, I go to church. And they change the subject. And sometimes that's how we are, we try to just deny all that whole conversation, we defy it. We don't want to deal with it, it's difficult, I don't care for it, it's my little world that I care about. Do you know what's going on in your life? Do you know how your relationship with God is? Have you thought about it? Do you think about it? Do you seek God? Do you ask God? Do you know what's going on with your relationship with um, God with others that you know? Those you care? Do you worry about them? Do you care for them? Do you think about them? Okay, Jesus moves on. He's done with the weather. Verse 57 and 59, he talks about settling with the opponents. This is a court scene where you say, settle with your opponents before you are taken to the court because judge will be there and judge will put you in a prison and you won't knock it out until the last penny is paid. And what he's talking about here, again, it's not about the end time. Like you're seen as that and all of that. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is actually talking about the Israelites trying to settle cases and fight Romans in many different uh, judicial systems. And that's what they are. They're focused on... How do we get along with Romans? How do we overcome them? How do we fight them? How do we win these battles? How do we win these court cases? And Jesus is saying, settle it. Settle it. Because you're going to lose. And they're going to. They're going to lose. Right? Israel is going to lose. And that's why he's saying, don't you know what's going on in this present time? I'm here. Messiah's here. But you're worried about your life with Romans. In Roman Empire. He goes on. Verse 13. uh, Chapter 13. Verse 1 through 5. Talks about current affairs. So someone in the crowd gave Jesus some news about a tragic incident that had happened. And it's about Galileans who went to synagogue to offer sacrifices and they were killed by Romans. And Romans were really careful and Pilate was really careful about uh, Israelites coming together as a group because he was worried about riots. And that, that was the time they were living in. So he went and killed everybody. So imagine this, like you went to church, a bunch of you, like 20 of you, went to church, and there were soldiers, and they just killed you. And so, um, that's what happened, and Jesus also has news of his own. He says, well, you know about the, these people in Siloam, that they were just there, and a tower fell on them, and they died. So the question from the crowd is, and Jesus knows what their question might be, because this is a, you know, this is age-old question. What happened? Why did this happen to them? And the question is, usually, to the Israelites was, were they worse sinners than us? 
and this happened to them. And one of them is literal, like killing by soldiers. The other one is natural disaster, right? You know, tower fell. You didn't expect that. So, what happened? And this is an age-old question because we tend to see if something bad happens, what's the cause of it? There must have something something wrong, right? Must be karma, right? <laughs> that's karma. And, you know, that's what we tend to think. Oh, it's karma. They must have done something wrong. They must be bad sinners. God is punishing them. Which isn't true. Karma is not... That's Hinduism. So, uh, as Christians, you should not speak of things as a karma. Right? Because that's Hinduism that they believe that you get what you deserve. What do we believe? You already Grace. We believe we don't get what we deserve. That's the whole basis of Christianity. That's our faith. We don't get what we deserve. We deserve this, but we don't get it. We get grace. That's Christianity. That's our beliefs. Completely opposite of karma. So Jesus says, I know what you're thinking. You got these questions on your mind. And he says, what? He says, do you think that they were worse offenders than all of the others? He said, no. He says, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. He says, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. The key here is just as they did. So this doesn't really apply to us, in a sense, specifically, because we don't have Roman soldiers running around killing us. We're not in Israel where rocks will fall on us. What Jesus is saying is this, these things will happen unless, again, you keep your mind and focus off of these things, about your life in Roman Empire, about your struggling life, and bring your attention to your relationship <coughs> with God. And he said, this is what's going to happen. And it did. In AD 70, Romans came, they killed a whole lot of bunch of Israelites, and the whole Jerusalem fell, every rocks fell, and people died on the rocks. That's what Jesus is talking about. These were, things will happen unless you repent, unless you turn away from these things. This is what's going to happen to you, just as they did. So, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, unless you hear what I'm saying, the news that I'm bringing, the warnings and stopping nationalistic and seeking peace and fighting against Romans, and etc., and realize that I'm here, repent first, and these, you die same as those people. And then he goes on to talk about fig tree. Goes on to... Talk about fig tree, right? Just to top off our confusion, uh, he talks about fig tree, right? So, it's the most confusing part because what do you know about fig tree? Does anyone know about fig tree? It doesn't grow. Figs. Uh huh. Makes a great dessert. But do you know anything about fig trees? No. It comes from tree, right? Figs come from tree, but you don't know. And he talks about fig trees, and fig trees were planted in the vineyard because it helps. The vineyard, you know, vines, apparently, and they were planted. And Jesus talks about this, and what he says is, there's a fig tree, and owner went out and checked to see if there were any fruit, and there wasn't any fruit. He says it's wasting of soil, wasting of space, chop it off, and gardener comes and says, well, let's give it another year, I'll care for it, and maybe there will be any fruits. That's the end of it. That's the end of the parable. There's no, like, concluding sentence, there's no concluding point of the story. Moves on. That's it. So that's the end of what Jesus says. And what do we do with that? And uh, the one way to understand is that God is God had it with Israel. And um, 
God says, that's it. I'm going to chop it down. And Jesus saying that Jesus comes as a gardener and says, well, let's give him a little time. Let's give him a little time. Or it could be Jesus. Jesus had it enough with this crowd. And he really did. I mean, he's frustrated here because none of them get it. Even the disciples. <coughs> says, I've had it with you. Maybe I'll give you a little time, but that's it. Maybe that's what it means. Either way, the judgment is inevitable and crisis is coming. Crisis is coming. So, let me kind of sum this up. From what we have learned so far in our text, in our section, what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is the crisis of the world. He comes and declares, I'm the crisis of the world. I am the problem of the world. I'm going to bring division. And we've learned this from early on, that if you are following Jesus, that we're going to face crisis. Christ is coming. Our life is life of crisis. And that's what Jesus is saying. Your life is going to be full of crisis. Your life is going to be full of crisis. And that's so opposite, completely opposite of what we hope. Right? None of you wake up in the day and say, I hope I encounter some good crisis today. <laughs> you don't. Right? You all wake up and say, oh, I hope today all goes well. No issues, no crisis. And when you think about it, that's how, what our society is built on. Right? <coughs> we thrive on building that safe environment. Security. Right? Safety. Having enough. Trouble-free. That's why we go to school. That's why we get a job. That's why we get a good job and a decent money. That's why we get a big house. We thrive on that. Security, comfort, trouble-free. That's pretty much what we plan for. And we talked about planning. We plan for that's what we plan for. But precisely opposite, Jesus says, no, prepare for crisis. Your life, our lives, is supposed to be full of crisis. He says, go for the life full of crisis. Because that's what I'm bringing. And if you're with me, your life is going to be full of crisis. And you know, that means, from just very on, from the very basic of it, your work, your job. Are you shooting for a job that with a security or a job full of crisis that Jesus might bring into your job? The relationships too. We want to have that secure relationship. Nothing goes wrong. Safe. Are you seeking out? Are you bringing crisis into your relationship? Are you taking chances? Because of what you believe in Jesus. And that's what some of us look for, is just the safety. We just don't want to create issues. Don't want to create crisis. Don't want to create divisions. We just want to create peace. That's what we aim for. Security, peace, comfort. But that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus is not Prince of Peace. He does bring peace, in a sense, as we understand. But He didn't come to bring peace in the world. And people misunderstand. Um, Muhammad Gandhi. Gandhi said, I like you, Jesus. Right? And He's all about peace and loving. And, um, you know, when you think about someone like that, Gandhi, as great socialist he was, he's a fool. He really is a fool. He said, I like you, Jesus. He brings peace. No, Jesus came precisely the opposite. To bring division. He came to bring crisis. 
And someone like Gandhi is above him, so he says, just be peace, just love, and everything will be well. I am above these people who are full of hate. He's not, he's one of them, he's just human. He misunderstands people. He sees himself above others. And all these people, great people as they may be, all the great people in the world, in the history, if you get to know them, if you know them, unless they are followers of Jesus, they're fools. Because they just don't get it. They don't have that, the fear of the Lord, which is the, what is it? Beginning of knowledge, beginning of of wisdom. You think about Steve Jobs, wow, he's done great. You think of great politicians, they've done great. But in the end, they're just fools. They don't know life, they don't know what it's about. They missed out. So, what about you? What about us? Do you aim for security and peace in your relationships? You don't want to speak out. You don't want to create issues. What about your job? You don't want to make troubles. In your preparing, in your planning, I want to do something that will give me security or give me comfort. But are you leading where God is leading you? Are you listening to know what's happening in the present time and going where God has called you to do? And face crisis. Because Jesus came... To bring crisis. So what are we going to do? He says, you're going to live in life of crisis. And here's what you need to do. He says, we need to also, you need to repent. Repent. Life of repentance. I have a quote there, your sermon guide, by uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther, in his 95 Thesis, that's 95 Thesis is what he posted up on the wall. It says, everything that's wrong with Catholic Church is what he posted. 95 things that's wrong with Catholic Church at his time for the Reformation is what he posted. The first words he says is this, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he's referring to Luke. He called for the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. A life of repentance. So what do you understand repentance to be? There's, I think there's two steps. But there are several things that's happening simultaneously. First step is recognizing your shortcomings, right? Recognizing your sin. Recognizing your shortcomings. What you have done wrong. What you're doing wrong. Your self-centeredness. How you are against God. And how you are opposing God and all of that. And how you're not loving people and not loving God. And loving yourself. First part is recognizing it. You need to recognize first. But at the same time, as you're recognizing, you are ashamed, you're guilty, you're sorrowful, you're sorry, because of what you have recognized. That's what happens. You can't just recognize it, oh, okay. Right? That doesn't happen. You have to, once you recognize it, if you're truthful, then you are sorrow. You're ashamed, you're guilty. You say you're sorry. That happens simultaneously. And at the same time, as that's happening, you turn to the next step, which is trust. You trust that God is good. You trust that Jesus has forgiven your sin. You trust that you can change. So you begin to change. You begin to turn around, which is what repentance means. As you begin to turn around, not only do you turn around, but you don't turn around and try to change in your, by your own strength and your will, but you recognize that you need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God. 
That's the confession of your sins. It's not so much just that ends in, oh, I sinned, I'm sorry. But I've sinned, I'm sorry, I need to change, I want to change, I need God, and I trust God. It happens all simultaneously. That's the act of repentance. That's what happens, and that's what our lives need to be consistently. Day after day, moment after moment. And that's how we're going to survive the life of crisis. Because crisis has to do with making choices. Right? Making choices. And when we make wrong choices, we can repent. We can do make the right choices by help of God. And that's what Jesus says. You're making all the wrong choices. Repent. Turn around. Start making good, right choices. Live life of repentance. Live life of crisis. <clears throat> and I hope you're recognizing just a strange, strange God in this. And, you know, it's God, Jesus is full of paradox. Um, there's always tension when you get to know Jesus. Jesus is truly Prince of Peace. He brings peace in our hearts. Right? Prince of Peace. But yet, He's also Prince of Division. It's, that's just so how Jesus is. He's lion and lamb. He's a servant and he's king. Right? That's how Jesus is. He's son of man and son of God. He's graceful yet judging with severity. And that's what the last tree, the last story, the fig tree is talking about. Grace of God and the severity of God. And it doesn't diminish each other. Severity of God's judgment is there at the same time. Just as much as there is a severity of judgment of God, there is grace. And that's the, the grace is what we celebrate. And we feel God because of the judgment of God. And that's what we do when we come to the Lord's table, is we celebrate grace. And we remember that we are called to live Life of crisis. And not to walk away, not to seek out the life of peace, life of comfort, and life of security. But dive in, trust in God, and living a life of repentance. So that concludes our, sort of the section that we have spent last few weeks. And it has to do with, again, fear and faith. Faith overcomes fear. And our lives are full of fear. And, you know, if anything else, I want all of you to walk away with just one phrase that Jesus says over and over and over throughout the Bible. And that is, what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And because we're not afraid, we jump in to a life of crisis. Because we trust God. Because there are things that are more important than peace and keeping peace. Let me pray and we'll break the cup and break the bread and drink the cup together. Jesus, we confess that we've been living, seeking, planning a life of comfort, security, and ease. And we want to repent, turn around. And we want to seek your strength, your spirit, to make us passionate, seeker of life of crisis. 
And we seek to you to help us. We seek to you to help us remember your grace. And that we'll fear you, but we will not be afraid of the world and the people and the life that we have to live. But we'll rejoice and we'll celebrate and we'll find peace in you. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org.